Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show, and we are live from Metro by T-Mobile, 87 West, 3300 South. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, and we have a very special guest to introduce Gordon before our next very special guest. We do. Uh, Joining us now on headset here at Metro by T-Mobile is Ellie. Hi, Ellie. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, did you come by here with your dad and your sister? Mm-hmm. But you listen to the show, don't you? And you were excited to see how it works, right? Yeah. All right. Are you ready to participate? Yeah. Okay. Joining us now, let's get out <laughs> to the zone phone. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is our good friend, David Locke. David, first of all, how are you? Hi, Ellie. How are you? Good. Ellie, uh, David, Ellie is eight years old. Ellie, does Gordon look a lot older than you thought he was going to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. She, she fits right in. With, she she fits right not in. that old. All right, Ellie. Uh, your favorite player is Rudy Gobert. Ellie. Oh, Ellie, that is a great choice. Ellie, who is the best defensive basketball player in the world? Mm. The answer is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. There you go. Now, job, you have a, a question for David? How old is Rudy Gobert? Is he 25? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, thought, I believe that. Is he 25? I thought he was old. I thought he was. I don't know. Let's find out. He, he stumped us. 27. He's 27. 27 is his number, huh? Ellie, and you, do you know why he wears number 27? No. That's what position he was drafted, and he thinks that everyone made a mistake because he thinks he's better than that, and he's right. And so he wears 27 to remind himself every day that he should have been drafted at a better position. Pretty cool, huh? Ellie, uh-huh. Ellie asked us a question, David. She said, is Rudy Gobert nice? He's so nice. And he's really smart, Ellie, and he reads a lot of good books, and he's very thoughtful. And he loves his mother. Oh, that's, oh, that's, always, nice. you, that's always a good thing. Did you know that, that Rudy Gobert buys four tickets, I think it's four, it might be two, in the front row of to every single game at the beginning of the season just so that when his mom comes to a game, that's where she can sit and he can see her from the bench. Wow. Right across that's from the bench. Cool. Mm-hmm. And he buys them. he buys them for his mom. And then she comes, and I don't think she comes to more than like four or five games a year, but he wants to make sure she has those seats. So the other day, Rudy gave those seats to a nice young boy who they wanted to give her a nice occasion of the game. And so Rudy gave those seats to the boy. And so he sat in Rudy Gobert's seats. Pretty cool, huh? Do you think think if we conjured up, uh, looked real hard, that we could find at some date uh, a a ticket or two for Ellie to go to a jazz uh, game? I bet we could do something. All right. Well, Ellie, thank you for jumping on the show with Mm us. uh, And uh, listen to your dad. He's a pretty smart guy. (laughs) Thanks, Ellie. We appreciate it. Thanks for dropping by. Radio Uh, superstar Ellie. And uh, you know what, David? That's a great place to start the interview, talking uh, talking about Rudy Gobert and the adjustment he made last night on Carl Anthony Towns. He's so impressive. Gordon and I were talking about this earlier uh, today. You know, Rudy has evolved his whole game. He's just such an impactful defensive player. And then the answer to Carl Anthony Towns was, Rudy, we need you to go do more. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did, man. He was amazing last night. 
You have to treat Carl Anthony Towns like he's a shooting guard. That's what we talked about the whole broadcast. That's kind of what the coaching staff talked about. That you know he takes the second or the most amount of catch and shoot threes in the league. I think he takes the fourth most amount of threes in the league, and he makes the second most. Only James Harden makes more threes than Carl Anthony Towns. So you have to treat him like a shooting guard, and that's what Rudy did. Rudy got up on him, guarded him at 30 feet, and the one time Carl Anthony Towns tried to drive, Rudy altered the shot. And the night before when he tried to drive on him, Rudy blocked the shot. So suddenly you're taking away aspects of his game, and Rudy took the final aspect away. I I got an interesting question on my live podcast today. If Luka Doncic is an MVP candidate because of what he's doing and making Dallas the number one offense in the league – should Rudy Gobert be an MVP candidate for making the Jazz the number one defense in the league? The key word there is should. Uh, I think the answer would be probably yes. Uh, the problem is that, it, David, you know, the offense always, the offensive guys get all the glory. It's interesting. Right now, Dallas is, I think, the inverse of the Jazz. So I think they're number one offense in about 22nd defensively, and we're the number one defense in about 22nd offensively. So you're not going to penalize Luka Doncic for the fact that he might be the reason they're 22nd offensively, but you will punish Rudy Gobert if you think that he's the reason they're 22nd defensively or offensively, interestingly enough. David, you're, you're the first one who you brought this to my attention early on, and you are exactly right. It is what Jake was referring to there that – is there a player that's asked more of than Rudy Gobert? I mean, he does a little bit. Uh, he does a little bit of everything. Well, I think what was so fascinating about what happened last year, and then, and now it's it's. We'll see what happens. I mean, the game keeps evolving, right? The league's really good. Um, the coaches are also the best in the world. There's 450 best players in the world, and there's 27 best coaches in the world, and then there's three that probably aren't very good, um, but they get jobs, and then they don't get jobs. Um, I don't know who the three are, but that's generally the way I view it, is that there's 27 like great coaches in the league, and then there's three that stand out like a sore thumb. And I think that the they've in the leagues adjust, adjust. So, you know, Rudy last year had to play differently than he did the year prior. Like, that was the most incredible thing about Rudy last year, was that he played a very, very different style. As the game evolves, Rudy's going to have to keep playing a lot like the way he did last night, because... Um, if you look at the top catch-and-shoot three-point shooters in the NBA, the top eight or nine of them include Carl Anthony Towns, Laurie Markkinen, uh, Chris Dapps, Brzingis, and Al Horford. Well, at times, all four of those play the center position. And so if four of the top six or seven catch-and-shoot guys are now centers, then this, you've got at least four nights a year where you're going to have to go play on the perimeter. And I think that number is going to – you know, it's interesting to me of where the game's going is I think that number is – going to be 15 or 20 of the top 30 here pretty soon catch and shoot guys are going to be centers um and i would you know probably gonna take five to eight years for that to happen but that's where the game's going and so you're gonna have this incredible juxtaposition of rim defense is the number one priority in the league right now even over three-point shooting defense and so the way you stop rim defense is you have a catch and shoot five then no one, then you got to come out and get off the rim, and so that's the way the league's going. And so then, what are what's going to happen? Like that's going to be the next evolution of like how do you deal with this? How do you defend these fives that can shoot threes and protect the rim at the same time? That that's the next six, seven, eight years this league. 
You know, kind of in that similar vein, David, you're uh, you're kind of on the cutting edge when it comes to analytics. You follow trends in the NBA really closely. Uh, Did my agent, to- which I don't have, send you guys checks this week or what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're Ellie put, a, Ellie put us in a good. We are mood. in a good yeah. mood. Okay, yeah, we're absolutely okay. in a good mood. That's fair. Overly complimentary makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, no, and this is kind of out of the blue, but what is kind of the geeky stat out there that is kind of the new thing that people are paying attention to? Uh, I mean, shot distribution is really big right now, and um, and then that shot distribution, which you know, I think I was probably ahead of the game on a little bit, um, or at least talk know people that were ahead of the game, and they taught me that. and so the league is now really protecting the rim. Like, so offense is down right now in the league. Um, last year, the offensive rating in the league was 110 points per 100 possession. It's 107 right now. Now you have to realize if offense gets better as the year goes on. So if you go to the equivalent of last year, it's 100. It was 108, but a point's a lot. So what's going on? Well, rim shots are down by about two percent. Um, and that might just be it all by itself. Like that little thing. If you move a shot, if you think about it, just logically, if if the shot is a, sorry, I'm going to totally geek out here, but if it's, you know, 0.7 points per shot, or it's really 0.65, but call it, or excuse me, 1.4 points per shot to shoot at the rim, and it's 0.8 points per shot to shoot a floater, um, if you're moving two of those there, that's that's the difference, right? Like, that's absolutely fundamentally the math difference of what's happened in the league is that two shots a night are going from the rim into the floater zone and that's making offenses less good. Um, the offensive fouls I think are a part of it and the traveling might be too, but turnover rates not up a lot. So that actually doesn't jive. It just feels that way. Um, so that I think is the next thing, Jake. And I think it's the thing right now. The thing right now is this rim defense and then that's going to lead to that. Otherwise, um, you know, in, there's you'll hear the jazz are big on it and you've probably heard a little bit qsq which is quantified shot quality um this is really so geeky that people are going to drive off the road and and um i know i'm trying to figure out how to easily explain this um so interestingly enough the the variance of what you actually shoot as a team off the quality of shots you get is much smaller than people realize so Basically, you, you just can't shoot that much better than your shot quality. I know it doesn't, like as a team, over a course of a year, it should feel like well, we have really good shooters. We'll be way better. Other than the Warriors and the Raptors, nobody was more than a percentage and a half, 1.5 percentage points better than their shot quality last year. That's like not very much. So shot quality is really important. The other one, uh, sorry, you, I wasn't prepared. Now you got me thinking. Um, I'm working on this tonight probably. Um, I think eight of the ten best, this all relates, these all go together, eight of the ten best pick-and-roll combinations right now are pick-and-pop, not pick-and-roll. Like the pick-and-roll pick might be disappearing from the league, which is a concern wow. for the Jazz. So, David, uh, all those stats you just gave roll into a question that I have for you and something you've brought up so many times in the past. Gordon, if you can make sense of that gobbledygook, you are really, really smart. David, you know know I'm not a numbers guy, but I love hearing it, you know, because it makes you think, and that's what's cool about the whole thing. The, the Jazz, obviously, they want to get to the rim. They want to shoot the three. And you, you've you gone on and on about that and have uh, clarified that for listeners for a long time. What do the Jazz do 
when those mid-range shots are what defenses are giving them. Is it okay for them to go ahead and quote-unquote settle for those mid-range shots, or should they work the ball, work the ball, work the ball until they get either a three or a dunk? They should patiently move into the mid-range and move the ball back out. That's oversimplifying. There are times when you have to take the mid-range shot. I'm not saying you're taking zero. Ideally, you're taking 20%. That's really hard to do. Um, that's the ideal uh, of your shots as mid-range shots. You cannot afford to take 35% of your shots as mid-range shots. You just can't. Like, I, I know the, de- I, the defense is giving it to you is the worst argument I, in basketball. Like, you've got – it's like the defense – it's like third and 14, and the defense gives you the five-yard dump off, and you take it every time. You punt, Right? So what happened right? the other the, night? What happened the, the football, other night, David? That's the football against, equivalent. Okay, so what happened the other night against Minnesota when Jake? You had this stat. What was it? What were the Jazz from mid range oh. in that game? It was like oh my four gosh. of thirty one or something. I right, don't know. So, so two things happened. One is for all the nights that we survived on the mid range. Like I love this is my favorite. Jake's heard this because I think he listens to the radio broadcast now. So. My biggest pet peeve is Charles Barkley. You live and die by the three. You actually don't. You actually live and die by the two. Um, and you live and die by the two equally as much, if not more, than you live and die by the three. And so we died by the two for a night. Well, we lived by the two on some other nights. But since the average shooting percentage of those shots in the league is 40%, you're actually, and the value of them is less, you're actually more likely to die from them than you are anywhere else. Um, and so on that night, we just didn't make shots. We took too many of them. So <clears throat> what the Jazz did differently in the second game against Minnesota is they were in much less of a rush. You know, there's, Mike Conley came into the paint on numerous occasions and either retreated back out or held in dribble or kind of surveyed the scene and kicked it somewhere. And Donovan did too. Donovan was in a major rush that night. There were all these possessions where Donovan drove in the lane and, and was just at mock speed and just too fast to make a decision, so he floats up a bad shot. And then he was just adapted so much better, and the coaching staff helped him with it in, in drills, in shoot-around the day before or the day of the game to try to figure out how to do that. So, you know, really a, a great tribute to the Jazz and what they were able to do in that regard to be able to um, do kind of adjust game to game. But Carl Anthony Towns, who is not a very good defensive player, particularly in space, is now just playing at the rim. Like, he just sits on the rim. And so it's really hard to get to the rim against them. And that's what you have to do. You have to come in there patiently. And then what we're seeing Mike Conley do is what's called the Nash dribble. And Steve, this is, they call it that because of Steve Nash. And the Nash dribble is, let's say you start Mike Conley left-handed on the left side of the floor. You go under the bat. Instead of shooting, you go under the basket and come out the other side. And now you've kind of inverted their defense. And there's all sorts of things. A cutter can come now. Rudy can set another pick. Rudy stays on the weak side and you lob over the top, which is one of the things, Mike. There's all sorts of worlds that open up to you at that point. So that's a really good example of where Mike is adjusting. Now, Mike, for 12 years, has shot this little floater and fairly successfully as the primary option in Memphis, but he's never played with this kind of talent before. So now he needs to come around and find other players. He did it a little bit. He bypassed the layup to find Boyan in the corner three late in the game. It was really a pretty tremendous play. Um, so he did, you know, he's done. He did a bunch of those. He was great last night. And you're seeing that evolution. And I actually talked with um, Mike about this. He doesn't think he Nash dribbled for any ever in the last 10 years. So you're literally training him to do something brand new that he's never, ever done before, despite being a near all-star and a $30 million a year player. I mean, what a task. And he is willing to do it, which tells you how incredible he is. And he said, and I, I don't know if you 
if you still have it, Jake, I thought his post-game interview last night was incredible when he said it's been humbling to go through this. He thought, he, you know, you thought you knew it all after 12 years and thought you could do everything, and now you're finding out there's things you don't know how to do. He said, it, you know, that was very insightful and interesting. You know, David, not only do I listen to the radio broadcast, uh, of course, because I think you and Ron do a good job, but I relied on it solely last night as I was uh, sitting in my car in a parking lot waiting mm. for a tow truck. You might have noticed it. Were you surprised when Scotty ambushed I, you on the post game? I was. I was. Scotty, I, I got a little word. Scotty got a, I did a few extra game recaps so Scotty would know what was going on last night. I'm sorry that that happened to you last night. So hopefully we gave you a good call. You know, there's. I saw a poll voting around Twitter um, on who your favorite broadcaster is, and no offense to my good friend Bowler, who's in first place right now, and he should be, but he shouldn't be because it needs to be 1041 straight, pulling off the votes. Man, nobody is working harder than Ron Boone right now, and the work he is doing is on our broadcast is incredible. He was at this whole last three days. He was a, he was the only guy I went to practice on Saturday or Sunday, and he came in his church clothes. And uh, they've been giving him a hard time about that sense of whether he's going to stay dressed up for practice. And Quinn worked on a bunch of things where he was. You know, we're really integral to the broadcast the last two nights, and he he had all of those. His work's incredible right now. So if you're listening to the broadcast, hopefully you're listening for Ron, and hopefully I'm occasionally letting him talk. Just a little plug for Booner and my favorite. Well, I have lots of favorite segments on the broadcast, but I love the shoot-around report with Booner. Uh, and, David, I think there's a reason you put it right before tip-off because Boone, you know, who's going to get mad at Booner, right? Uh, but Boone gets, right. like, the whole game plan right before tip-off. He totally does. <laughs> the shoot-around report. He totally it's, does. It's absolutely great. Oh, now, look, no, I, like, I don't – I'm serious. Like, ahead, you don't have to listen to our radio broadcast. Listen, I say it every time we start that segment. Like, if you're going to go watch Bowler and Matt, that's fine, or Bowler and Thurl. But make sure you listen to the shoot around for because Ron will basically give you all the things you need to watch for the entire game and what's going to take place. And I mean, he literally got into the whole thing of what side they wanted Andrew Wiggins to go last night. He talked about Rudy Gobert staying attached to uh, Jeff, to Carl Anthony Towns, and he talked about Rudy Gobert blowing up the handoff uh, that they run with between Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague because Rudy was going to stay attached to Towns, and they ran it twice early in the game, never ran it again. I'm telling you, if that segment were any earlier in the show, the opposing oh, no. head coaches would oh, be right. like dialed into the radio. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no way we could do that. We, we might even be like we're we're doing that like before starting lineups, and we almost need to move it to like at tip off. It's you got, really you got it straight from Quinn. It's really I'm true. Press. Here it is. Hey, David, I don't want to make you nervous or make you feel uncomfortable, but we started this with compliments for you. But I think people listen to hear what you have to say, my friend. It's not just uh, 1,041 1, straight that they're tuning in for. So, anyway, well, we got an interesting. Well, that's nice. We got an interesting question the other day about what the favorite part of a broadcast was because we were take our second quarter is now commercial free. And so we're taking questions sometimes. And it was pretty – like I had never thought about it. And actually my answer to the question was exactly what we're talking about. It's both watching the coaches' preparation come to fruition. So games like last night where you know their game plan and you see it work. And then simultaneously preparing a broadcast with a – with probably with that knowledge and then the data to back it up or the ins- and actually have it come to fruition. So it's fun, and Ron's really – Ron really makes it possible. It's pretty fun to have a guy who's 70 years old buying into the whole new world and and diving in like he is. David, thank you as always, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow night in the pregame. Sounds good. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. You were sitting in your car listening, and your car didn't work. Yeah, the car didn't work. But the radio did. The radio worked fine. (laughs) The radio worked terrifically well. 
uh, got all the broadcast. Yeah, I was. Well, it's it a good thing great. you had like a salami sandwich in there, and you had like some chips left over oh, from last week. Survived for like a month. Had a six pack of soda in the back seat. I know. I should have given it to you. That it's actually true. It's Diet Coke that uh, was left over from like a picnic or something we had during the summer. I've been meaning to give my mom <laughs> for like four months. I should have uh, just given it to you. you now all our listeners think we're kidding. We're I'm not, not kidding. I'm not this kidding at all. Jake's car, which is now kaput. It's gone. I think you need to uh, had, had everything known to mankind. I think you had didn't you have like uh, okay you had a deli board. Right, I didn't have a deli. You, you had a bunch of drinks. You had uh, reading material. You had, I think, you had a, a portable TV back there, didn't you? No, or something? I didn't have that. Well, I had lots of jackets, lots of sweatshirts, <laughs> lots of had a closet. Will you please video of, and post to Twitter as you uh, empty the car and clean it out? That'd be fascinating. I could, it, it would be funny. What I what I find if you have car. all that in the car, what's in the trunk? Oh, the trunk. Uh, well, I've got a stroller, some golf clubs. <laughs> More jackets, more sweatshirts. Uh, I know right now I have a blown-out flip-flop that happened on a trip several years ago. Do you – now, why do you store all that stuff in your car? I, I wouldn't call it storing as much as just <laughs> not getting It's like a garbage hoarding. Yeah, you're right. All right, we're at Metro uh, by T-Mobile. Come see us, 87 West, 3300 South. Get switched over to Metro. They've got great deals going on right now. You can choose two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG. Uh, These are top-notch phones. They're absolutely terrific. Plus, if you switch over, you'll get a brand-new tablet for free. Uh, so come take advantage of it. Uh, you can get full Amazon Prime membership included in Metro by T-Mobile. It's awesome. All for just $100 for three lines only right here at Metro by T-Mobile, 87 West, 3300 South. More coming up next on The Big Show. Josh Parcell joins us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Well, it certainly gets louder and, and there's more of it, but you just still got to take the same approach and have the same MO of just not listening and not paying attention to it and just keeping your vision and your focus with what the uh, immediate task at hand is. And our guys to this point have done a great job of that, and uh, here we are the last two games of the regular season, and hopefully we don't deviate from that now at this point in time. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's Coach Witt talking a little bit about the national attention that his program is getting. And he is uh, essentially telling his players to keep their eye on the prize and and not to deviate from that. And maybe and we've talked about this, and maybe that's one thing the USC lost did for this team is gave them a refocus, and if you don't drive that stuff out, then you're not going to win. So, some of the players have said that. However, I... Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, maybe that's a way to rationalize or, or to, you know, ease off some of the pain that you feel from a a loss that shouldn't have happened. But oh, I the results don't lie. I mean, the, the, the Utes are playing fantastic. I believe a loss can focus you. I, I can buy into that logic. And so now uh, Kyle is essentially, because there's been so much success now, these consecutive wins, uh, he's saying, hey, man, don't blow it again. Well, because, I, I mean, listen, Arizona and Colorado stink. Yeah. But they're going to have to have their A game to beat Oregon. So, I mean, yeah. he's, he's got to know that there's an opportunity maybe for some inflated ego against these opponents coming up. And he's oh, got to keep, good point. Gotta keep folks grounded because eventually they're going to run into a team that requires that kind of focus. What kind of – what are we looking at Saturday night? I mean, you think – 
You think the Utes are just going to roll this team? Well, yeah, because Arizona's terrible. I know, but how, really bad? Sh- how bad? It's really a get? shame that they're terrible, too. Well, let's, uh, let's get out to the uh, zone phone. Joining us now is our good friend Josh Parcell, of course, from WFNZ in Charlotte, also part of uh, college football coverage on Sirius and XM Satellite Radio, not to mention the College Football Country Podcast. Josh, what is up? How are you? What's going on, fellas? You guys don't have anything to talk about these days. Uh, yeah, nothing at all between the uh, the Utes <laughs> as a top ten team and the Jazz, which uh, are, are playing pretty well with some new faces. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to drum up a show these days, Josh. How's your opinion as far as the Utes, uh, Josh? Uh, you've you've been high on them for a while now. Uh, are, are you edging in one direction or another with them uh, comparative to uh, what the, the other top teams are? Yeah, look, listen, I, I think they are incredibly dominant. If you take away, as you guys well know, really that first half of the USC game, I, I would put USC, or rather Utah's play up with, with just about anybody in the country. I, I love this Utah team. I love what they do defensively. You know I like Zach Moss and, and Huntley. I think they've got more weapons than, than maybe they're giving credit for. And, you know, by the way, guys, I, I don't know if anybody watches football out your way. I mean, did you hear the story about Christian McCaffrey that apparently – some Heisman voter told him he never even watched a game of his back in 2015. <laughs> oh, jeez. I know. I'm sorry to get off topic, but th- that is absolutely ridiculous. And I, and I think it, it kind of actually speaks a little bit to, to this Utah situation, right? Just the idea that with the, of West Coast bias and Pac-12 football. And uh, I, I just think Utah is a, a really good football team. Now, having said that, I think a couple teams have started to cement themselves in their resumes slightly better than Utah's to this point. Uh, like Penn State, for example. I, th- I think Penn State's resume, despite being behind Utah, I actually think Penn State's resume to this point is better. They, they have more quality wins than the Utes, and their one loss is, to be quite honest, better than Utah's loss. I mean, USC's a good team, but Minnesota's ranked uh, higher. That loss is better. So I'm actually a little surprised that Penn State is ranked behind Utah for now, Having said that, I, in a couple of weeks, Utah is going to have a chance to answer all those questions. And if they beat Oregon, I think they have a really good case to make it into the playoff. What's the case for those other teams? You just made it for Penn State. Is there a case for the other teams? And what would what argument would you make? You, you mean like you know potentially like Oklahoma teams like that, yeah. like conference? Yeah, champions? Georgia. Yeah. You know, obviously LSU and Ohio State. Sure. I mean, listen, LSU is almost definitely in at this point. I mean, they they would have to get blown away by Georgia. And we're talking like by 40 or something. That's just not going to happen for them to be left out at this point. And that, that is certainly Utah's worst nightmare is you win the Pac-12, Georgia beats LSU, you end up with, you know, Clemson and Ohio State unbeaten or whoever comes out of the Big Ten plus – you know, that, that one loss LSU and then Georgia, that, that's your four right there. So I, I think that that's the worst-case scenario. Uh, LSU is in really good shape. For Georgia, Georgia's interesting to me because, you know, they're a polar opposite of LSU, right? I mean, it's a dominant defense, second in the nation in scoring defense, but they haven't topped 30 points in, in about five weeks now. They just The offense hasn't been firing on all cylinders. So I have my doubts about Georgia. I would love – this is why we need an 18 playoff. I would love, could you imagine in an 18 playoff, a four versus five between Georgia and Utah? I mean, you're talking about a game first to 10 wins. <laughs> They're two great defenses that we would, I would love to see them go up against one another. It's unfortunate that we, we won't get a chance to see that no matter what. But I like, I, I like Georgia. They remind me a lot of Utah. 
I think Utah's a little more dynamic, but you know Oklahoma is going to have a heck of a case as well. I I think if if it came down to a one loss Utah and a one loss Oklahoma. Man, it's going to be close, but I actually think that Utah would have the advantage. That Oregon win, hypothetically, would be the best win of all of them, right? I mean, you're talking about an Oregon team that would still be in the top ten. Utah's in pretty good shape. You you just hope that Georgia doesn't beat LSU. Josh Parcell with us, talking a little uh, college football on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Josh, Utah has Arizona this week. And uh, I I don't like admitting when I'm wrong, but I got to tell you, I thought that I thought that uh, Khalil or uh, I thought that uh, Khalil Tate and and Kevin Sumlin would be a terrific match there at Arizona. I thought that was a great hire. And I don't think you can label it so far as anything but a disaster. Are you surprised that that hasn't worked? Yeah, I mean, on paper, it adds up, right? I mean, you're talking about one of the most electrifying athletes at quarterback we've ever seen that first year of Khalil Tate, and you match him up with a coach who's had a ton of success with those dynamic athletes at quarterback, and we all know what Johnny Manziel did. You thought that that would work, and, you know, I just – I'm not close to the program, so I don't – I can't tell you for sure what happened at A&M or what's happened at Arizona, but I can tell you that – the circumstances surrounding those two programs, it, it, it reeks of a, of a program that lacks discipline. It reeks of a program that's just unorganized. And Arizona, they're too talented. And certainly Tate is too good. I know last year he was banged up, but they're too good to, to have a record like they've had the last two years with him. And, you know, it's crazy to think about just how big the star and bright the star sh- uh, was shining for Kevin Sumlin you know, after that Manziel run at A&M and, and where he is now. It's one of the bigger falls from grace that I can remember for a head coach in college football in recent history. You know, Josh, you bring out, you're talking about Khalil Tate there, and uh, we all thought he was going to be a star, but in this game coming up on Saturday night, it is Tyler Huntley who is the quarterback star in that game. He has he has traveled miles. He is so good now, so accurate, so calm, so decisive. It's been remarkable to watch his progress. It really has, guys. And, you know, I think you guys asked me at the beginning of the season to power rank all the the quarterbacks in Utah. And I had Huntley behind Jordan Love. And I guess as a pro prospect, he still is. But it's it's undeniable that he's been the best college quarterback in the state of Utah this season. He's been so good. And and he's meant a lot to that Utah offense. You know, I just – I love a run-first offense like what they have with Zach Moss, but Huntley's development as a passer has really just, I think, opened up that offense even more, and that's why I would love to see them get an opportunity to go into the playoff. Or, I mean, that Oregon game will be a nice test for them, too, because Oregon's defense is so good, and, and they certainly can score points. But, man, I would, I would love to see Utah get into a game where they went up against a dynamic offense like an LSU, like a Clemson. And let's see what Huntley can really do, because I'm with you guys. I'm, I've been really impressed with his growth. I, you know, you said something earlier, Josh, that I, I couldn't agree with more, and you've heard me say, you've heard us say it over and over. I've written columns about it uh, recently and for a long time now. Because of the regionalization of college football, that's why an eight-team playoff is so very fascinating. And you already said it would be cool to see the Utes go up against Georgia or teams like that. And we we have no clue because they haven't played. And that's why they need to play in this scenario, regardless if you have zero losses or if you have one loss. So what? Put the best teams together and watch the fireworks. It's just so unfair. We we have such a broken system where one loss, if you're Alabama, 
might not hurt you. But if you're Utah, could be your death blow, right? I mean, it's just crazy the teams that get the benefit of the doubt in this system. You know, one loss certainly doesn't hurt as much, I guess you can say, as it did when there was only two teams making the championship game. Now there's a little bit more room for error. But effectively, you got to run the table to, to, to guarantee yourself a chance to win the title. And these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids we're talking about. I mean, they're just not perfect. There's going to be days where, or quarters even, in Utah's case. I mean, it wasn't even a whole game. It was, it was a half where they struggled to slow down USC. And, you know, a fumble here or there, a fluke play, and all of a sudden your, your season's over. Or at least you're certainly behind the eight ball in your, in your attempt to chase a championship. I, just, I think what we do, guys, in this system is we value what's entertaining and we value suspense and drama and controversy more than we value what's fair. I think if we got to the end of the year, and I know this is a hypothetical, but I think it's possible. If Georgia does beat LSU and Georgia makes the, the, the college football playoff, as does LSU and Clemson and Ohio State, Utah will have done everything they possibly can in this situation, 12-1, and one, win their conference, Power 5 conference, and they're shut out of the playoffs. That, that's completely unfair to me. And while it's entertaining and fun to talk about for guys like you and me to sit on the radio and debate it, that's in no way, shape, or form fair to the kids who put years of work in for a chance to win a championship. I, I just, I'm, I'm baffled that we haven't figured this out yet, that this thing should be at eight teams. When you have five power conferences, only four slots, it's patently unfair. Josh, it's always a pleasure. We always look forward to it. Thanks, as usual, for joining us, man. You bet, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Our friend Josh Parcell, WFNZ in Charlotte, also on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, not to mention the College Football Country Podcast. I bet he is so good at covering college football, but I bet he's interesting to listen to on darn near every subject. Oh, yeah. Well, he's a great follow on Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, you know, he's there in Charlotte. He talks a little Charlotte Hornets. Uh, really insightful on the Panthers. If Does you're... he have to really talk about the Hornets? I'm sure they're a little lower on the old totem pole uh, than than usual. Although, is Charlotte's not that it, – it's fairly similar to Salt Lake where they're pretty focused on, on what they've got going there. I don't know. What are they going to talk, UNCC 49ers basketball? <laughs> Josh, I don't know. You live there. Josh, the Hornets get a lot of attention. Last week, Josh, uh, the way he put it to me was he uh, – it was his turn – to draw the short end of the stick and do some Hornets coverage last week at the Old State. <laughs> really? so. I, I bet they actually did pull, pull the straws out to see you. I'm telling you what, they deserve better. Uh, th- th- that state and that city is so unbelievably fired up about basketball. And I remember when I lived there and, and the Hornets were a young franchise, I mean, the support that they got was just amazing. Mm. And they've just now been crappy for so long. It, uh, I, I wonder if the support certainly has waned a little bit there, and now if, that they do have the Panthers. But they love basketball in that part of the country. Answer me this. If Michael Jordan weren't Michael Jordan, would he have been run out of town by now? Probably. Although George Shin was a terrible owner, and they didn't run him out of town. He just left town. <laughs> That's true. And then the NBA forced him to sell the Hornets down there in New Orleans because he was such a bozo. Aren't they the Bobcats for a while? Or well, that was the – the Bobcats were the expansion franchise that came to Charlotte after they ah. left and went to okay. went to New Orleans. All right. I'm glad they brought back the Hornets uh, oh, yeah. logo and all that, though. That's pretty cool. A little works. confusing, but, but mm. cool. Okay. Anywho, thanks to Josh for jumping on with us. We're live at Metro by T-Mobile. We're here in South Salt Lake, 87 West, 3300 South. Come by and see us. 
One of the things that I think is 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 poignant about what Josh has to say is that he he has seen the Utes play and he's a believer. He takes he he's taken the time to watch the team play, and that's why he knows. How many voters in the AP poll do you think have actually taken the time to give the Utes a good hard look? Well, I, I would hope all of them, but you know what? You're probably right. Well, he brought up the thing about Christian McCaffrey and the voter who hadn't uh, ever seen him play, a Heisman voter. That, That's I mean, crazy. Uh, but I'll bet it happens because people are busy. You know, these guys who, who – some of them take it very seriously and some of them don't. I mean, you, you tease me about what happened with my Heisman vote that one year, but I'm telling you right now, there was a lot of effort that went into that. And uh, if I didn't trust that circumstance the way I did – uh, I wouldn't have done it that way. But uh, these guys need to be exposed to the youths. They need to see what this team, what that defense is capable of doing. Uh, and I imagine that most people have gotten a glimpse. But have, but have they gotten a good, hard look at what the youths are capable of doing, both on defense and offense? They probably know the youths play defense. Okay, that's easy. But do they know how good Zach Moss is? Do they know how good Tyler Huntley is? Do they know about that receiving core that has come around? I, I don't know if they do, and I don't trust the people on the committee. I'm, I'm sorry. What do Ty Detmer and Aaron Monson have in common? <laughs> what? They both have a Heisman vote. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, thank you very much for making us part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We're live at Metro by T-Mobile, 87 West, 3300 South. Big thanks to Jose and his crew out here for playing host of the show. It's been a lot of fun today. Met a lot of listeners. Gave away a lot of jazz gear. We, ha- we gave it all away. Got a smirk on your face. No, we, look on? at that. There isn't a stitch of anything left. I know, but you had a look on on your face like you you've got something on your mind, like that that look that creeps across your mug when you've got something up your sleeve. What's going on over there? No, nothing at all. We just had someone came in. And was was he asking for the use of a a comfort station? I a comfort station. I don't know. I don't, Is I don't that what know. he was looking for? Uh, a comfort station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey man, let the man have some peace. Have some comfort. Big thanks to Josh Parcell uh, for jumping on with us. But there might be a camera in there. I don't know. Let's not go back to the not sports board, man. Okay. Let's not. Let's not go backwards. Let's, You've never let's wondered not, that. Let's not do that. Wondered that, what? If there was a camera in the bathroom it, somewhere? No. It's it, we had a tweeter even uh, tweeted in about this. It's illegal in the United States, but other countries, you're you're kind of, hmm. you know, uh, they're they're not quite as strict. What if someone was going to commit a crime in a bathroom? <laughs> I've actually been in a bathroom when some crimes were committed. Okay. Not, not that kind. This is a strange segment. Just where we're talking this is about unfortunate very... stuff going on in there. I mean, from a... <laughs> oh. Hey, real quick. Are you surprised that Kevin Sumlin... I, we asked Josh about this. Are you surprised he's been kind of a failure in Arizona? Uh, Yeah. Would you, if you were the Wildcats, and PK talks about this a lot, and, and he's totally right. If you get caught 
in the the kind of repeating with the firing and hiring coaches. You know, uh, it can get into a dangerous cycle. Yeah. And, and you, you, you can't stick with somebody who's the wrong fit, but at the same time, you know, uh, when was the last time? What are you laughing at over there? I'm trying to ask you a serious question. I, I, I'm, I'm listening. What? I, 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 what I said about the bathroom. What is I, I, stop? I, I didn't mean. <laughs> I didn't mean stop. it to be taken seriously. I, and, and then, on, upon reflection, <laughs> that was pretty serious. That's not what I meant. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> I just meant a whole lot of stink going on in there. I didn't mean anything else. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I am surprised that Kevin Sumlin hasn't uh, been more successful down there. I thought that was a good hire, and I thought he was going to be able to build something out of a program that had been lurching for a while. Should they can him? It's been two years? One and a half? Two. The, this is his second. Yeah. Uh, no. I say give a man three years. Okay, I agree with you, except for you can't you can't ruin Khalil Tate. Like you get hired at a job where they have uh, you know somebody with that kind of potential, and who had already had effectiveness at this level, and ruin that opportunity. And didn't Khalil Tate kind of force Arizona into going he with did, someone? Yeah, he, he, but, but yeah, okay. Did he really ruin Khalil Tate, or has Khalil had a hand in that? Agreed, but whatever, he's failed to take advantage of that yeah, potential. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I just think that that's not enough time, unless there's one exception to it. Well, I mean, there would be other exceptions. I mean, if he's doing something that is uncalled for, then maybe I would consider it. But uh, Or if the team has given up on him. If he's lost the team. And I don't know how you figure that out because are you undercutting your head coach by going around and talking to all the players saying, hey, how do you feel about coach? Right. So you would have to find that information in a way that was sly. Otherwise, I don't think two years is enough. And who was the coach that they dump, that someone dumped after one year? Well, that's happened a bunch. But this is ridiculous. How can you do that? That's not fair to any candidate coming into a new job, and you're going to give them one year to turn the program around. Yeah, but if that, I mean, if that, if that coach is a disaster in that one year, like I remember, uh, how long was the one coach in Colorado? Embry. That's yeah, what I was going to yeah. bring up, and he was just com- completely lost. He had no idea what he was doing. Why'd they hire him then? It was a bad hire. You have to live with it for three years if no, you know you hired a buffoon. One, one year, really? I, I don't think that's fair. Uh, and maybe life's not fair, but uh, if you're going to change, quote unquote, the culture of a program, you need more time than that. All right, we're live in Metro by T-Mobile, 87 West, 3300 South. They've got these great holiday deals going on right now. If you switch to Metro, you can choose uh, two free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge screens. Watch all your holiday shows, plus great cameras, ton of memory. Uh, they have a lot more as well. They're gi- also giving you a brand-new tablet for free just for switching over to Metro. Plus, you'll get that Amazon Prime membership, and uh, you can get three lines, Gordon, for only 100 bucks. Pretty Can't nice. beat it. Right mm-hmm. here, and uh, Jose and his crew will take great care of you. 87 West, 3300 South. More Big Show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Wrapping up a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, we want to say a big hearty thank you to Jose and his crew here at Metro by T-Mobile. They run a fine ship here and take great care of our listeners. They do, and we've met a lot of them today as they've come in, and they've gotten some jazz gear and uh, bought some phones and all that stuff. We've had a good show today, man. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of good guests. Sam Amick, David Locke, Josh Parcell. All terrific. Yeah, uh-huh. it's 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 been just a, a blast. And uh, talked a little minor league baseball. And minor that. league baseball, jazz, obviously. And uh, and you didn't appreciate the not sports report. But, th- th- I mean, what's New low, I believe. It was not a new low. It was, it was a new low. <sighs> Right. Now we've got the movie zone coming up right around the corner with Austin and Adrian. Uh, let's get a let's get a preview on that poll question, Austin. What's coming up? Well, because Frozen Two is all the rage this week, we're going with your favorite Disney song of all time. Oh wow! Favorite Disney song of all. A lot time. of people would pick a song from uh, from what? What one of Elton John's songs? Oh, from, from the Lion, Lion King. King yeah. That is probably pretty strong. What else? I like some of the music that Phil Collins did for Tarzan. Uh, let's see. Uh, doesn't Fantasia use like some of the best music ever composed? Fantasia. That's all that classic. What are you, 94? <laughs> good golly. <laughs> you know, Beethoven was a pretty good musician. Now. How about you, Austin? What, uh, you're a music guy. Which one do you like? Uh, well, I you know we will save our answers for the show, so I okay, can't give spoil it, that. Just give us give us one you like, maybe not the you know the ultimate. I'll, I'll tease you it this way: the one that was my favorite was unseated by a song in Frozen Two. Oh, okay. So stay tuned for that. Didn't, okay, but uh, what was the one that was unseated? You tune in; it's next. You'll be driving. Just listen. Didn't uh, Lin Manuel Miranda do all this stuff for Moana? That was really good. He did. Yep, he he worked on all that. Didn't Dwayne Johnson actually sing in that? Yeah, he, he did. totally did. Was I, that auto-tuned? Or was that no, he, he's a good singer. Yeah, it seemed like him. All right, so the Movie Zone is coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Gordon, we want to, as you mentioned, say thank you to Sam Amick, David Locke, and Josh Parcell. All those interviews as well as all of our content up online at 1280thezone.com, or you can search us out via your favorite podcast catcher. Simply search The Big Show. And just a hat update, Jake is still wearing his Washington Go Nats. Exposed hat. We're still on top, baby. We did it. We have arrived. Are you going to wear that all year? Oh, yeah. Get used to it. Until I lose next year. (laughs) We'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.